0: Welcome to the Ortho Eval Pal Podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now for your host, Paul Marquis.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 121 of the Ortho Eval Pal Podcast. I am your host. Paul Marquis, and today we're going to be talking about how to treat cervical nerve root compression problems. Now, I get a lot of great questions uh, through my YouTube channel, and about a week ago, someone asked why avoiding neck extension should be considered with patients with cervical herniated discs and nerve root compression. And we were all taught, you know, that extension of the lumbar spine, cervical spine, can help push the disc material back into place. But today I'm going to tell you why that is not necessarily true and how to make these patients feel better. Um, so before we get started, though, I'd like to just take a moment to hear a word from our sponsors.
0: A good night's sleep is what every body needs. Fresh rest bedding will keep you comfortable all night. Our advanced textiles and weave wicks moisture and also regulates body temperature. This design, coupled with our all-natural organic antimicrobial, eliminates 99.9% of odor-causing bacteria, as well as dust mites, which are an allergen to many. Because our bedding stays fresh longer, it is eco-friendly, as it only requires washing once a month on average. This bedding is also known for its incredible softness. Our antimicrobial is all-natural and organic. No metals, waxes, chemicals, or nanos. Our sheets will never leach onto or into your skin, ever. These sheets are safe for your entire family. Fresh Rest is designed and engineered by Maine Lee Technology Group, based in Wells, Maine. And our sheets are made for the USA. Fresh Rest Bedding is only available for purchase through our e-commerce website by visiting freshrestbedding.com. Once again, that's freshrestbedding.com.
1: Hello everyone and welcome back. So, first thing I want you to remember as we get going with this uh, podcast today is that there are many different ways to treat patients and that my way is not the only way, okay? Um We can't get stuck with black and white treatment uh, in regards to, you know, if they have this, they have to have that um, type of treatment. So I'm going to bring to the table what I've learned While treating several hundred cervical nerve root compression patients and what has worked well for me. Okay. So this is going to be a little difficult to do on a podcast because I like to demonstrate and show things a lot, but I'm going to do my very best to try to describe it as well as I can. Um, And I think one of the things we need to do is we need to go back and just kind of review some anatomy a little bit. All right. So I want you to visualize this. We're going to use C6 on C7. Okay. Okay and you have the vertebral bodies anteriorly and between those vertebral bodies is a disk. The disk has a nice uh, outer set of rings to help hold everything in place. The center is this nucleus pulposus, this jelly like material. um, And that helps to hold up the vertebrae on the anterior side. Now, if we go to the posterior side, um, we have the facets that help to support the the posterior aspect. And between that, uh, we have the lateral foramen. And this is where the nerve root goes through, okay? So I want you to try this. Well, don't try this if you're riding your bike or driving your car, but um, if you happen to be at home, um, take your thumb and index finger and basically make a C with it on the left hand. Then on the right hand, do the same thing and put the tips of your index, overlap the tips of your index fingers and the tips of your thumbs, overlap them, okay? And then I want you to think about When you extend the cervical spine, it's the same as pushing those hands together and that foramen gets closed, okay? So basically, the C6 aspect of the foramen kind of comes together with the C7, superior aspect of the foramen, to make two semicircles that make one circle. And when you bring those semicircles together, that closes that space. Well, remember what goes through that space, okay? It's the nerve root, And there shouldn't really be anything else in there, okay, except for the nerve root. And so I want to talk next about what happens to that spine, that C6 on C7 with the disc in between and the facets in the back, um, when you go into flexion and extension. So when you are upright, okay, and this is important because when you are upright, your head weighs 10 to 14 pounds, gravity is pushing down on you, so now you have an axial load, okay, so basically like taking a um, Bismarck donut, putting it on your hand and taking the other hand on top of that and pushing down on it. Okay. The jelly is going to have this tendency to want to come out of the sides and it will flatten out and get wider. All right. So you're upright, you flex the cervical spine. And what happens is you squeeze the anterior part of the disc. And so therefore the disc material will push posteriorly a little bit and put pressure posteriorly. Now, you need to remember that the posterior longitudinal ligament is not very thick, so it doesn't support the the disc and doesn't hold it in place like the anterior longitudinal ligament does okay you almost never see a disc herniate anteriorly because that longitudinal ligament is so thick and supporting you all right so while you go into flexion not only does the disc uh inner disc material start to move posteriorly because the anterior side is being squeezed but the facets on the posterior side of the spine are spreading apart and opening up a little bit and the lateral foramen, remember your thumb and, and index finger, um, you're opening that up and making that foramen bigger. Now, when you extend the cervical spine, the disc material will move anteriorly, the facets on the posterior side will become compressed, and that lateral foramen is going to start to close, okay, in that as in that demonstration we talked about earlier. So anteriorly, the disc material can take up space in the foramen if it starts to herniate, okay? So remember, we talked about that lateral foramen does not like to have anything in there but the nerve root. But if you start to, if you have a herniated disc, some protrusion of that disc material, and it's starting to come out posteriorly, um, it is going to get into the anterior aspect of that foramen and take up space, with that nerve root. Now, posteriorly, if that facet is becoming hypertrophied or spurring a little bit, um, that can also take up some space on the posterior side. The other thing that can happen is you can develop a cyst coming out of that joint, that facet joint, that can also encroach and take up space in that framing. So now you've got um, this, this space occupying stuff that is in that, uh, foramen that can be very, very painful. All right. So you need to think of this. There are going to be two types of irritants to this nerve root that is in that foramen. All right. There's going to be a chemical irritant, which is, you know, inflammation and swelling that can take up space in there, but it's not really something that is, um, hard and physical touching the nerve, all right, and then there is a mechanical compression um, that can be pushing on the nerve root, such as a piece of herniated disc or a um, a facet spur or a cyst that is compressing that nerve and causing some irritation to it, all right, so I want you to think about that. Now, the other thing we need to think about is when somebody comes into your office and they are acutely inflamed, you know they've got a herniated disc, you know there's some nerve root compression there, there's pain going down the arm, they may have pain come, down to the front of the chest or into the medial border of the scapula. Those are very common uh, presentations. Sometimes you need to get that settled down. You can treat this conservatively and manually and do all kinds of stuff uh, in therapy and it may not get better. Um, You can have the neck manipulated. That may not help it either. But sometimes we just need to get rid of that chemical irritant. Okay, that swelling and inflammation that is taking up space where that nerve root is and get that to settle down. And again, I am not a physician or a medical provider except for a physical therapist, I can't prescribe medications. But sometimes we make recommendations. Um, to the patient's PCP in regards to taking something that they can tolerate that is safe for them, that isn't contraindicated, that can help decrease that inflammation, such as a non steroidal t- uh, anti inflammatory or uh, maybe even, um, you know, like a prednisone or a steroid that can really help decrease that inflammation. And sometimes just that alone is enough to take off the pressure in that frame and off of that nerve root, and then the patient will get a chance to heal and do well. Well, but on the other hand, if there is something mechanically hitting that nerve, such as the, um, um, the herniated disc material that has just come out into that area and taking up space, then you want to offload that nerve root. Okay, And the way we do this is we put people in the supine position. Now, they do not have this axial load anymore. And then you need to think about the disc between C6 and C7. It's kind of like a sponge. You fill a sponge with water, you put it on the table, and you push down on it. The sponge gets wider and thinner. And the water will come out of it. Now, if you take that sponge and pull it back up, it is now going to get its height back. And it's also going to have a suctioning effect and pull the water back in. And this is the type of effect we're looking for when we do manual traction. Okay, I like to flex them about 15 to 20 degrees. I'll even laterally flex them to the opposite side to help open up that foramen. And by flexing them, the disc material is not pushing posteriorly anymore because we are not putting an axial load on there. We are not compressing that jelly donut. The jelly should not be coming out. We are actually expanding it and it should have a suctioning effect. So we try to pull some of that disc material away from the nerve root and to give them some relief. Now, if they do really well with manual traction and they say, you know what, my arm pain just went away, my hand's not tingling anymore, I don't have the chest pain or scapular discomfort anymore, this is heaven. Please come home with me and do this um, on a regular basis so I can live a normal life. I get that. If I had a nickel for every time I was asked to go home with somebody, with a patient, I'd be a millionaire. Um, and I'd have some really cool podcasting equipment and I would have a great studio and uh, all kinds of stuff, but that's for another time. So, um, the patient gets a lot of relief with this manual traction and therefore you may want to consider a home mechanical traction, something they can use more frequently because really doing traction manually for 15 to 20 minutes, In a 24-hour day, seven days a week, uh, it's not really going to do much for you. So we try to get people to traction more often, like three to four times a day. And obviously, we can't go home with them. Now, there are different types of traction units out there. Um, I don't particularly care for the -the over-the-door traction unit. I think it's very difficult to set up. Patients are not compliant because it is so difficult to set up. It puts a lot of pressure on your chin and uh, TMJ, so it, it can kind of irritate things there. Um, so I like to use a Saunders cervical traction unit, and I don't get any royalties from this. So um, it is just, it's just it's the unit that I used uh, when we did our cervical spine study uh, to validate the marquee maneuver. And um, I love this unit. Um, and then, so I have a couple in the clinic, and I and I loan them out. I write their name down, and they use it for two or three days, three to four times a day. And if they get pretty significant relief with that, we continue to go in that direction. We will have them purchase their own when they bring the loaner back. Um, and then, in the meantime, we're trying to do other activities that will open up that foramen and take pressure off that nerve root, such as deep cervical flexion. Exercises. We will do some postural activities so that the uh, neck does not sit in so much relative extension. Kind of like when your chin is sticking out and your throat is sticking out and you have this uh, hyperlordotic cervical curve that compresses everything that's in that frame and can cause some irritation. So we try to get them out of that with some early postural exercises. Now, remember this soft nucleus pulposus can get reabsorbed by the body over time. And so sometimes, if as long as the patient is starting to show some improvement, a little less arm pain, maybe a little less paresthesia, a little less weakness in the uh, extremity that's being affected, um, then you continue down that road, okay? But if the patient has significant weakness... And that weakness is getting worse or just not improving. You need to be concerned that there is so much compression on that nerve that it could cause nerve damage. And that's when you need to recognize this quickly so that you can send the patient over to a neurosurgeon and have them evaluate the patient, maybe have different images um, taken. Uh, MRI is always very helpful, flexion and extension. X-rays with a lateral view can be very helpful in a situation like this to see if there's any associated instability. And um, getting all of that information in and uh, to the right people at the right time Can be very important because I have seen this where people are uh, maybe misdiagnosed or they think they're going to get better and they just try to take care of it themselves. They ultimately can't stand it anymore, so they have surgery, and they just don't ever regain their strength back. Maybe they have less ridiculous pain, but they just never regain that strength back because the nerve root has been damaged too much and for too long um so I want that's a and that's very hard to determine you know how long should you treat this conservatively? will it completely get better over time? Or should we expedite this? Um, I'm a little more conservative. I really kind of weigh this stuff out. And as soon as I see a regression in strength or really no improvement with any treatment, um, then I really try to push them toward uh, some interventional pain, sometimes an injection and uh, diagnostic imaging and uh, ultimately to a neurosurgeon um, who can uh, decompress that area, support it better, and then ultimately uh, do well and function better. So, folks, again, I know that a lot of you may have different thoughts on how to treat this, you know, dry needling, soft tissue mobilization, and there are many different ways to try to uh, treat some of these things. What I want to emphasize today is that I have seen so many of these that um, your intervention early on is important, that you need to treat the cause of the problem, and not just the associated symptoms like spasm or pain down the arm and trying to treat those types of issues. Um, in these situations, you have to make a mechanical change. Uh, and uh, that, again, is is my opinion, but I've had much better success doing what we talked about today than when I was a new grad therapist um, in two and three uh, you know years and uh, seeing people with scapular discomfort and trying to treat the muscles around the scapula or they have lateral elbow discomfort and we think it's lateral epicondylitis. Um, so we have found that there are way more people out there with nerve root compression by herniated disc and foraminal encroachment than, than you think. Um, so that's why I am huge on cervical spine clearing before, Whenever you see a patient with an upper extremity issue, chest pain, scapular discomfort, or anything like that, so... I know I gave you a lot of stuff here. I hope you were able to visualize all of this. Um, And um, hopefully uh, you can take a few tidbits of information, try some of this out, see how you do with uh, your patients. And I hope you can evaluate them better, give them a little bit better direction. Um, Again, uh, I have all of the links in the show notes for our website, online coaching uh, webinars and uh, how to get in touch with me if you have any questions. Um, if you do have a question that you want to have on the show, please feel free to get in touch with me. I will definitely put on the show. We'll talk about it and uh, talk about how to manage it, how to treat it, how to evaluate it, and um, you know, let's have some fun with this. So again, folks, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Have a great day. Until next time, take care.
0: We hope you've enjoyed the show. For some more awesome content, go to OrthoEvalPal.com. Can't wait to see you there.